As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Soccer Show. Today we're going to be talking about the biggest result of the weekend. How could we not? Liverpool 7, Manchester United 0. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. And I'm joined by the Athletic's very own Kiva O'Neill. Kiva, how are you doing? It's a good time to be covering Liverpool, I imagine. It absolutely is. I mean, it defied logic and it still defies belief. I did woke up this morning like... Now, a lot of Liverpool fans would have and looked at the score again, looked at the highlights, was like, did that really happen? You know, you're still seeing memes and pictures and, you know, videos of different things going through it all, thinking that actually did happen. That was a thing that happened. Like, watching it unfold was just, I mean, pretty incredible because it was 45 minutes of just chaos, madness, Liverpool absolutely running the show and Man United nowhere to be seen. It was... Just the most incredible watch, I think, and especially those last 45 minutes, in that it almost defied all elements of logic of what we've seen this season from these two sides. And I think that, you know, you can see, and and actually down the years in this fixture, it's often been the team struggling a little bit more that's come out on top at home against our opposition. You know, Liverpool delighted in beating Manchester United, even when they were on a run of wonderful titles. And United have been tricky opposition for Liverpool in Liverpool's recent ascendancy. And so I think that an upset was never hugely on the cards. And I use upset in inverted commas. Liverpool winning Anfield is never really considered an upset. But I don't think it was unfeasible that Liverpool would win this game. But if anyone in the world had a stake on Liverpool winning 7-0, before the game started, I think you'd have been calling for the men in white coats. I mean, 7-0 was unpredictable. Like, 1-0 half-time, Cody Gakpo with, you know, his arrival goal, you feel, I think it's his third Liverpool goal. But the one that is, you feel like fans have been waiting to see from him because we all seen those PSV Eindhoven clips and that's what he was doing week in, week out. We see that from him and you just think, yeah, this is how Liverpool win this game if they do. 1-0, but you never know what's going to happen in that second half because I think United grew into the first half quite well. Liverpool, you know, playing well, but never quite 
playing well enough until that goal and that changed everything. You know, that that just the momentum then that, that carried into the second half of Liverpool was massive. And, you know, we, we can mention a clean sheet as well. I think Liverpool have been building those now. That's the fifth in a row in the Premier League. And although, you know, the Crystal Palace game was disappointing for Liverpool, the one good thing to come out of that was an, another clean sheet for Liverpool because too, too many times this season, they've basically been conceding early or late or whenever it is, they've been conceding a lot of goals. So, you know, to stop that, I think it starts with that. And then, you know, we've just seen that attack, just have fun and really click for the first time, it felt, because, you know, Gakpo, Nunes, Salah, it just felt like, I said, the arrival of Gakpo almost, but the breakthrough of this front three and the potential that has, because then you've got Luis Diaz and Diogo Jota and all these other players, Roberto Firmino coming off the bench, obviously, you know, he will be leaving the club this summer and, and, get, and gets in on the act, scores his goal. You think there's, there's so much attack and depth there, even though, you know, there's plenty of work still to do in the summer. But right now, you know, things seem to bode well for Liverpool when all season it hasn't felt that way. Yeah, I think this is it. And I, I want to come on to the kind of dynamics of the attack in a, in a moment, because I think there were elements there of, of flashbacks for certain Liverpool fans in how that dynamic worked between the three of them. But before that, I mean, there's been a strange kind of idea. And I think when these results happen and some of the goals are a little bit scruffier than others, or they come off a deflection, et cetera, et cetera, there's often this sense of, oh, it was lucky. And I'd argue that you never win 7-0 by luck. It is one of those things. But more than that, Liverpool were relentless in the second half. And I think that was the the moment you're going, Liverpool are scary. And, and that's a, a pretty new thing this season, if you will. The, the, the idea that Liverpool, when they get going, could become that force that we've seen in years gone past. And I think you kind of caveat that with the idea that Liverpool got going against Real Madrid and went 2-0 up and then it all fell apart. And so I'd imagine there's that element of, oh God, we can't be doing that again, can we? We're not going to fall into that trap. This one felt different in that the ro- the kind of role of the team, the way that the fullbacks were getting forward, it's the best I've seen Andy Robertson play in a long, long time in a Liverpool shirt. The way that everything just seemed to continue to go forward and continue to push for these goals and make it kind of stick. There was no element of taking the foot off the gas. And I love that from a Liverpool perspective. Yeah, it felt like watching basketball almost, didn't it? Watching Liverpool keep on attacking. United didn't quite, you know, get the memo on that. They had some chances, but not really many. The you know, Liverpool, I think when it was 5-0, like that was Liverpool's fifth shot on target at that time. And I can't remember after that if the sixth and the seventh was. I know they had eight shots on target and to score seven is is quite ridiculous. But it did feel like you mentioned the full backs, Trent thought he, he defended really well in, in moments as well. Andy Robertson had so much space, I think, because Anthony was sort of, you know, not really tracking him as well. And that sort of opened up that space for him. And while maybe, you know, United might have tried to, with Rashford, you know, put a bit more pressure on Trent, he dealt with it really well. The opposite to that was Andy Robertson just enjoying all that space to run into. And obviously he was rested in the last game. His form has been sort of up and down this season, you say. And then, you know, you look at that pass that he makes for Gakpo's first goal and, that's his ninth assist of the season. No defender has more, only Kevin De Bruyne has more in the Premier League. So it's, you know, still been a pretty, uh, you know, high scoring season for assists for Andy Robertson, which you'd expect from Trent. Obviously, um, Alexander-Arnold seems to have dipped down a little bit there, but, you know, signs in recent weeks is that, you know, he's growing again in confidence. Players like Fabinho is just, you know, he looks a completely different player from 
you know, a player a month ago that just looked lost, you know, on the pitch, didn't look like he was, you know, on firing on all fronts like he usually is because he's so integral to this Liverpool team and I think the midfield would work really well with obviously Harvey Elliott just bringing that attacking energy and Jordan Henderson was there to just pick up possession I think a couple of times in the build-up to goals as well which was important to Liverpool it just felt like going into the game it was going to be you know one of the teams are going to benefit from counter-attacks at some point. It just didn't feel like it was going to be Liverpool to counter-attack and benefit from that as much as they did. So it was pretty bizarre. And, you know, you said before about it just sort of was relentless. But there was a moment, I think, from Alisson at 3-0 when, you know, he sort of, it, it was like a couple of minutes spell where he just sort of, you know, looked like he was going to make a mistake and made a couple. And if United had scored then, you kind of worry for Liverpool, but he avoided that, which was great because it was the only real sign, I think, for United that they were going to get anything out of this game, let alone a goal. It just felt like it would have to come in that way because this Liverpool back line just looked so set. And I think a lot of that is down to getting Virgil van Dijk back and Ibrahim Konate as well. Them two, that's the pairing that you want to see together because... It's absolutely solid. Yeah, I mean, this is this is something, and I don't think Liverpool's run of clean sheets in the league is any surprise or any coincidence that it has coincided with the return of Canate and Van Dijk as a pair. And they feel like they cover each other's strengths and weaknesses really nicely. It allows the fullbacks that little bit more freedom in order to get further forward. But I think this is kind of something that goes away all the way across this team. We're seeing partnerships and settings come together again for maybe the first time in a in a in a kind of run this season there've been moments for liverpool and flashes but generally as as a kind of run you're looking at Kanate and van dijk getting time together as a center half pairing and that's allowing the full defensive unit to work better Bicetic has been absolutely wonderful in his cameos this season i think and probably liverpool's best midfielder and yet when he drops out of the side here, the cohesion between Fabinho Henderson and Elliot yesterday felt like it had settled into a rhythm, which we haven't seen for Liverpool's midfield. And then there's the front three, which we'll come into in a minute. But I, I think that that cohesion within the ranks felt for the first time here like it was really flowing again. Yeah, and you mentioned by Chetich there, and obviously it comes on towards the end of the game. And it probably summed up the game and how it was going for United that Bruno Fernandes sort of chased after him and, you know, by Chetich just starting doing these like amazing turns with the ball and running past people. He's been showing that off in, in the past few weeks and he did that against Fernandez and Fernandez just stopped playing. Like, you know, and that that little clip, I think it's viral already now on social media. That summed up the game, you know. Liverpool were ruthless, relentless, just aggressive. They wanted to score as many goals, you know, the cop and Anfield singing, you know, we won ace is unheard of. Nobody could have ever predicted that you know, the cop would be singing and shouting that. That is, you know, just, I mean, I've said ridiculous about 50 times already on this podcast, but it it was ridiculous. And, yeah. you know, Liverpool have struggled this season. I think now maybe, you know, you mentioned that the run they've put together has been vital. They needed that. We've been saying, you know, on our podcast walk on every week, it's like, just feel like this team needs a run together. And when they've sort of got there and they have moments and, they, you know, they'll put a few wins together, but it, it never feels like enough. You know, I think towards the end of, December they did the same and then you know they start the year with capitulate 
in uh, Brentford and, you know, whatever happens after that, Brighton, Wolves, you know, real low points in Liverpool season. And they've somehow been able to recover. I think the disappointing thing for them now is, you know, if this continues, which, you know, you think that it will, obviously Bournemouth will be a tricky test at the weekend. I think the thing will be is Liverpool will look at Arsenal and Man City in a title race and think, you know, if we would have just been maybe a little bit more lucky with injuries or, you know, more switched on at points in the season, then, you know, they could have well and truly been up there. And I think that, you know, is something that they've got to take into the next season because we know, you know, it's all well and good right now. Liverpool have just, you know, destroyed Man United 7-0 at Anfield. But there's so much work to be done still this season and obviously, you know, for next season as well with the rebuild that we're all constantly talking about, you know, the midfield and, and beyond that as well. Yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens next. But I think maybe the the highlight, and, and you mentioned it right at the top, it felt like the announcement of this as a front three working. Now, that's not to say that it's going to be this front three every week. Luis Diaz, Diego Jota still to, to kind of reinstate themselves within this team. But there was a lot of discussion over where Cody Hakpo and Darwin Nunez would play in this element and in this Liverpool team, and whether it was going to be Darwin through the middle as a kind of focal point or whether it was going to be the deployment that we saw on Sunday. And I think what's really interesting is that there were real shades with Darwin on the left, Cody Hakpo kind of dropping in as a false nine in inverted commas, and then Mohamed Salah in his right-hand side role. There were shades of the old Mane, Firmino, Salah relationship in that Cody Hakpo is able to drop into those areas and then Darwin and Salah are going to stretch defenders. And this has been maybe a not a problem, but definitely something that Liverpool have kind of struggled to work out exactly how it's going to work for, for periods in this season. And I think we're seeing this kind of element of finally the three of them are starting to build the understanding, which kind of typified that old famous front three in the past. Yeah, it definitely had shades of that. I think when you see Gakpo and how he sort of reacted for that first goal, you know, he started centrally and then he cuts over to the left and then cuts back in over to the right. And I think that's what that's where he's at his very best and that's what Liverpool want to see from him because, you know, at times you mentioned that famous front three of Mane, Firmino and Salah. They did a lot of that, you know, just cutting in and out and Firmino would, you know, switch over to the left or the right and just move about and help facilitate what Mane and Salah were doing and how magnificent, you know, they were together and, you know, Salah continues to be that Firmino still a little bit off the bench as well against United and, you know, you, that's the hope, isn't it? The Gakpo and Nunes can do that. It's obviously tricky. Gakpo's only just joined the club. And, you know, I think he was just getting sort of adjusted to Liverpool in the opening weeks. But, I mean, already you can look back and say he scored in a Merseyside derby, scored against United. You know, that's no mean feat, obviously, scoring against United twice as well. It just feels like that, you know, was a question of like, is he, you know, is he a false nine? Is he, you know, can he be Firmino style player? Can he... You know, is he better on the left where Klopp has tried him as well? And, you know, I think he, he's got that versatility when he comes into Liverpool is that, you know, he can play over there as well. And Nunes now looks settled. You know, he looks like he wants to cause trouble on that left wing and he wants to run up players and he wants to, you know, get involved in the build-up play and just be about him getting a couple of headers, I think, you know, is exactly what Liverpool want from him. Just, you know, get into the box when you can and score goals. That's literally all you have to do. And obviously, he absolutely relished doing that against United. And he seems to relish every Liverpool goal as already, you know, it felt from the Community Shield against Man City, the, you know, his goal there. It just felt like there was something forming 
between him and the fans. And you're almost getting that with Gakpo already now as well, with him, you know, stood beneath the cop and saluting them and just sort of, you know, taking in that moment of like the sort of the bedlam that he'd unleashed, um, watching them celebrate. And I feel like, you know, that's very Salah as well, isn't it? When you see him with his arms outstretched, just sort of saying, yep, I did that. Yeah, yeah, I'm here now. It, this is going to work. I think this thing with Darwin is interesting. And I also think that there's something in the fact that I feel he was overly criticised or, or maybe not unfairly. There were issues with what was going on, but it felt like it was blown out of all proportion by other fan bases while Darwin was adapting to the Premier League. And there's a, an element of relish, I think, in the idea that now he has started playing. They were like, no, no, no. We were we were right in the first place, and, and it just took a little while. And I think fans love that being able to prove other fan bases wrong, who write players off very very quickly when they make a few mistakes early on in their careers. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of that, isn't there? And I felt at times, you know, it's unfair when any player sort of goes through that because you know, social media can be a, a tricky place to operate in for anyone. But you know, I think Nunes would have, you know, maybe seen the the clips that people were clipping up of you know missed chances and. You know, shots going wide of the post. That started in pre-season. You know, that was uh, just something that followed him round and, and continued to build throughout the season. So he's answered that back now with his form and with his goals and he's slowly but surely, you know, becoming the player that Liverpool fans were hoping, he, you know, they were getting when, when Liverpool signed him in the summer. And obviously the fear and everything that goes around that. And then Erling Haaland as well, as that's probably like a factor as in this the you know the amount of goals he's been scoring and how you know Liverpool and Man City have been fighting you know at the top for for a few seasons now and just sort of that comparison which probably feels unfair given that Haaland is you know inevitable robotic call him what you want Martian like he's he's something else isn't he so it felt like you know Darwin Nunes was going to need time and he's sort of had that now and he just it just seems like he's he's settled now, which can only be a good thing for Liverpool and building those sort of partnerships as well, even if it is with Andy Robertson on the left, you know, Trent trying to build that up with him because he had so much, uh, Alexander-Arnold had so much success with Mane over on the left, you know, yeah. hitting balls over and Mane would just latch on and, and score them. So all of those relationships have to build up and you're feeling like, that is already happening and halfway through the season Gakpo gets here and you know, that's a new relationship that has to sort of uh, take hold as well. All the while Liverpool are missing Diego Jota for a long time, Luis Diaz, obviously Jota's back now, Diaz not far away. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because it can, I mean, Nunes and Gakpo will both want to be starting every game. I think that competition is going to be, you know, really exciting given the at one point in the season, it was like, who's going to play there? I think Alex yeah. Oxlade-Chamberlain was playing at left wing at, at one point. So, you know, to have those options, Thierry and Klopp will be fundamental to how Liverpool continue to kick on. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. There were two kind of big narrative stories yesterday as well, which I just kind of wanted to finish on for this game. In that, obviously, Mohamed Salah broke the record for Liverpool's top Premier League goal scorer, and then Bobby Firmino, who'd announced that he's going to be leaving Liverpool at the end of the season, came off the bench and crowned it with a seventh. I thought they were both really lovely kind of elements and kind of bookended, I suppose, the the goal the goal glut that came about. There were two really lovely stories as well that, you know, Mohamed Salah, I think everybody is well aware of his quality, but to go above some of the players in this list to become Liverpool's top Premier League goal scorer is a phenomenal feat. And Bobby Firmino, for so long, an undersung part of of every Liverpool side that he was a part of, getting that kind of crowning glory on the week where he does announce his departure, I just really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, for Salah to start with, you got to see... That picture, by the way, is iconic of Trent Alexander-Arnold sort of crowning him. And there's there's a few pictures of it, but there's one that is absolutely spectacular. It's just like a really close up of of Trent sort of lifting the you know the imaginary crown onto onto Salah's head. All the while, you know, uh, Robbie Fowler sat in I think the main stand looking down and watching you know that record get equaled and then broken in a game that probably no one really expected both of those things to happen, maybe to equal it, but not to break it and get a couple of assists as well. You know, just an extraordinary performance from Mohamed Salah yet again. You know, add that to the collection, add that to the collection of records. He just, you know, eats for breakfast, doesn't he? I mean, every game it seems like he breaks some kind of record in some way and has done since he joined Liverpool. It's almost hard to keep up with how many records he's broken, but to be Liverpool's top scorer in the Premier League on 129 goals in 205 appearances is pretty insane record. You know, he's he is a true Liverpool legend, the king. He almost feels beyond that, doesn't he? It's how how he's impacted this Liverpool team. And the same can be said for Bobby Firmino, maybe in a different way, but just... You know, he's someone who's, I mentioned before, facilitated and helped Liverpool, you know, achieve everything that they have under Jürgen Klopp. He was a player that Klopp inherited, you know, when he took over from Brendan Rodgers. He wasn't a Rodgers signing. He was the old transfer committee as it goes. And, you know, Klopp must look back and just think, I'm so, you know, he was so fundamental to what we built here. And after eight years at the club, it's it's nice to see him get a moment like that because you'd like to think he'll get more goals as the season will go on. But, you know, to get the seventh in front of the cop against United was just, you know, 
like you say, a crowner moment for him. But, you know, now he's on the long goodbye. You'd hope there'll be a few more in store. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's nice when they come, as you say, in big games. I was talking a couple of weeks back about Harry Kane breaking the Spurs record. And I was like, it was nice. It came in a, a game that really mattered against Manchester City and in a game where they won. And I think the same we said for Mohamed Salah, you know, to, to go and win against your great rivals in such a manner and it be crowned with those two things is just an absolutely wonderful kind of rendition of, uh, and, and a show of his importance, I think, over the last few years. I mean, we look at the table, Kiva, and Liverpool are fifth now. That, that win has lifted them over Newcastle after they lost the weekend. Newcastle have played a game less and have a point less than Liverpool. But Liverpool have a game in hand on Tottenham above them, who are three points clear. Newcastle haven't won in five, lost two, drawn three. Liverpool have four wins and a draw in that period. And Tottenham are a little bit all over the place. At what point does it, do you look at it and think, if Liverpool, obviously, if Liverpool don't get Champions League, it's going to be a disappointment no matter what season it is. That, that's kind of just kind of par for the course at the moment. But at what po- point does it become Liverpool are back in the box seat for the Champions League spots? I think when they get into that seat, you know, that fourth place, if they can get ahead of Spurs and, and Newcastle as well, will be, you know, then it will be Liverpool's to almost lose. Because, I mean, for a long time this season, it felt to a lot of us that Liverpool were just not going to get Champions League football at one time. It felt like we'll even get, you know, Europa League, Europa Conference League football. It just felt like that's how they were playing. Everything was going wrong. And it was just that feeling was around the team. Just this real, like, like low body language between players. They just felt disconnected. Not like the team we've been seeing and we definitely did see last season. So, it, you know, for now, for Liverpool to be, you know, putting that run of games together and getting there, I feel like the momentum is with them, but they have to continue that, obviously, Bournemouth for the weekend, half 12 kickoff. It's always a little bit tricky. I think, you know, that early game, Liverpool have struggled with that in the past and I think did this season maybe um, a couple of times. I can't remember, maybe Forrest was that game early or one of the games like that where they just, you know, didn't do as well as you would have, you know, thought they would have. So going into this game, I think, is massive and you've just got to, I think, level, level on points with Tottenham with that game in hand will be big for Liverpool as you say, you don't quite know what you're going to get from Tottenham. Sometimes you like convince and win, or other times you just you know piece it out and lose, and you're not really sure why. Newcastle their season seems to be sort of just ebbing away from them a little bit. You know they be looking and thinking, you know they've got to kick on from here if they do want to get European football. But I feel like right now there's just this feeling with Liverpool that has returned, and that's the you know if they can get into that fourth place, you know you'd imagine that they'll stay there or keep climbing. It just feels like they're on this run, but you know, then you kind of look at April and um, there's a scary nine days where Liverpool obviously play, I think, Arsenal, Chelsea and City. I don't think it's in that order, but it's just a, a hectic, a hectic um, you know, nine-day spell where maybe they'll have a say on the title race, not in the way they've hoped, but you know, they will be hoping to do that because getting top four is, is fundamental, as you know, we always talk about, but in terms of even, you know, the financial side of it and how important that will be to Liverpool as well in the summer when they look to, you know, rebuild that midfield and, you know, bring in new players to the club. Yeah, I think that's spot on because you're looking at that and 1st of April, City away, then Chelsea away in midweek and then at home to Arsenal on the Sunday afterwards. It just it does just feel that that's the, the make or break point, doesn't it? Because after that, it becomes Leeds, Forest, West Ham, Tottenham, Brentford, Leicester, Villa and Saints away. And and as run-ins go, 
you know, without going into all the old cliches of there are no easy games in the Premier League. That's a run-in that Liverpool generally will expect to pick up, you know, it was eight games. You're looking at 20-odd points minimum, really, is the expectation from a Liverpool perspective. And when that's kind of said and done, it, it does make this early spell in April feel like it's the defining moment of the season left to come if we haven't just had one. Yeah, it does. I think, you know, you can't look too far ahead and the players, you know, that's a standard answer, isn't it? You know, we're just thinking of one we'll enjoy this, we're one game at a time, yeah. Um, it does feel like those games will be defining for Liverpool season. I mean, we say it before pretty much every game lately, but it does feel like that will be the case. And, you know, Real Madrid to come as well on the 15th of March, which feels like you know, a game that Liverpool could somehow now, you know, definitely win, but could they, you know, go and do something incredible? Because after that game finished 5-2, it just felt like, you know, Liverpool are all but out of the Champions League. They have to play that second leg away at Madrid, but it just, it, it felt like it was over for them. I think this game, and you don't want to get ahead of yourself by any means because it's Real Madrid and we know exactly what they're capable of, but this game may have breathed a little bit of life into that, you know, that dream. Of, of Istanbul and all that kind of stuff, maybe, but obviously, you know, that'll be difficult. Liverpool's focus is top four. You know, it feels like that could, you know, Champions League could be could be gone now, but Liverpool have to be in the Champions League next next season because, you know, they need to be continuing to battle among Europe's elite and, and in England as well because, you know, not being in a title race this season when everyone thought that they would be again has been, you know, uh, just, you know, unexpected as uh, Sunday's game was. So it, it has been a season of just sort of ups and downs. But, you know, I think it's like, is it a third of Liverpool's goals have been scored against Bournemouth and Man United or something strange now? It's just the season of, of crazy stats for Liverpool. It, it's been mad in, in, in so many ways. And I, I think you're, you're absolutely right about the Real Madrid game. If this was back at Anfield... I think the kind of excitement would be bubbling now. Uh, I think away at the Bernabeu, it feels even still like a step too far because Real Madrid, whilst they haven't been brilliant this season for long stretches, don't tend to capitulate in the way that Manchester United did at the weekend. It's just not something we've seen from them down the years. I mean, anything can happen. And Liverpool have a sort of majestic aura in the Champions League that means that you never write them off. But it does still feel like an incredibly difficult task. I mean, you've got to go there and score three goals, win 3-0, keep them out. Is just feels, you know, when you've got a, a player like Vinicius Junior and how well he played at Anfield and Karim Benzema. I mean, you could go right through the whole team, the midfield. Uh, you know, it, it feels like it is an impossible task. And, you know, it felt very much like this heading into that Barcelona game. But as you mentioned, that was at Anfield and... I mean, there was almost more jeopardy in that because of away goals and that rule still existed. So, you know, Barcelona was to, was to score at any point in that game. It was all over for Liverpool. This, you know, probably is the same in a weird way because of the three-goal advantage that Real Madrid have. But, you know, imagining that Liverpool will win 3-0 or 4-0, 3-0 just to take the tie to extra time or 4-0, you know, to, to win it outright would, you know, not be the strangest thing to happen in the world. But it, it does feel like, some task, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I just feel like it's probably a step too far. But again, if anybody can, it feels like Liverpool can in the Champions League. But maybe maybe against anyone but Real Madrid, who 
tends to own this competition. So yeah. we shall see. We shall see. Um, I mean, it's it's going to be a, an interesting end to this season. And I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, on one more thing. And I think we said there about Liverpool's focus needing to be on the, the getting that top four and getting back in the Champions League is huge because when we were talking about discussions for players in the summer and, and who Liverpool are able to attract to kind of move forward and, and make sure that there isn't another season of stagnation is probably the wrong word, but at least kind of not where Liverpool are looking to be in terms of challenging for the title and challenging in Europe again. Getting back into the Champions League is key to attracting players because you have to be able to offer Champions League football. And, and because it feels like a huge thing if Liverpool are going to be in the race for Jude Bellingham or if they're going to be in the race for another centre midfielder. Those players are going to want to be playing at the top level and therefore that kind of incision on getting into the top four feels even more important when Liverpool do need to continue a rebuild. Yeah, definitely. It does feel like a massive selling point for, you know, attracting players to the club to say, you know, we're playing Champions League football, come and play Champions League football at Anfield next season. That, you know, what player wouldn't want to do that? But also, I think even if Liverpool don't quite make it, and it feels like, you know, they're on the path to, to sort of getting there. I mean, you don't, again, know don't what's going to happen. It, yeah. But yeah, but, they, you know, they're sort of looking better, looking like the Liverpool of, of you know, the, the best Liverpool teams on the Egg and Klopp somehow, some way they've sort of, you know, fought the way back. They're still, you know, not probably... 100% you know a lot will need to happen from now to the end of the season for them to you know qualify for the Champions League it does it feels like a massive sell point as I've said but a lot of players like you know you mentioned Jude Bellingham I do think he will go for the project he'll go for you know if, if he is to to sign for Liverpool it would be for you know Jurgen Klopp and everything you know the picture that is painted to him of you know what impact he can have at Anfield I mean he's He's got future captain energy at whatever team he he joins. So I, I think not every player it will you know be crucial, but it, it definitely is a massive factor. Like I've mentioned before, in terms of just finances and also just you know Liverpool being up there with with the best in Europe. And now that they've managed to get there so often and consecutively, I think it's just important that they stay there because you don't want to slip out of that and then that slide continues. I think it's important to to stay put because. We know how many seasons Liverpool went without Champions League football. Once yeah. that sort of slide happens, it's hard to get back there. And they've worked really hard to get there on some seasons, like, you know, last minute header from Allison and that kind of thing. You know, moments like that have been have been key to getting Liverpool to where they've been. And I think Champions League football, this this, you know, city, this team need that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, on a weekend where Liverpool drove home their top four ambitions with a 7-0 thumping on Manchester United, I think it's nice to be able to dream again. Thank you so much for listening today and thank you so much to Kiva O'Neill for joining me here on the Athletic Soccer Show. Thank you.